Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Micah. We uh, find ourselves in chapter 3 this morning, and uh, this morning we're going to be dealing with uh, another uh, challenging topic as Micah continues to uh, speak truth to the nations of Israel and, and Judah. This morning we're going to be talking about the injustice of the leadership in the nations of Israel and Judah. If you remember, as we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, uh, the prophet Micah is speaking to God's people in, in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. This was around 700 B.C., and God's people had broken their covenant with him. They, they had rebelled against him, and God had been sending a series of prophets to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, trying to bring his people back to a place of repentance. But God's people continued to reject his messages of, of repentance, his, his call to come back to him. And so God would ultimately bring prophets like, judgment, uh, like Micah who would speak words of judgment uh, and a coming uh, doom against God's people. Remember, sometimes God allows discipline to come into our lives to, to bring us from a place of rebellion to, to restoration. And so that's what Micah is, is foretelling that is the judgment that is coming because of the people's sins. And uh, the people of Israel had broken God's covenant in three primary ways. If you remember in, in week one of our series, we looked at the idolatry that the people were involved in and in placing their allegiance and their love and their devotion on, on things, other gods besides Yahweh, our creator. Last week then, we talked about the, the reality of the injustice that was widespread throughout the land. And then today, we're going to be looking at the reality of the, the failure of Israel and Judah's leadership, their, their insubordination, their failure to honor God and, and to lead people faithfully in his ways. And instead, they were practicing injustice and, and abusing God's people, abusing their privilege as being the leaders over Israel and Judah. My, my earliest memory of injustice at the, at the governmental level, at the level of leadership, came when I was uh, about 10 years old. I, I've shared with you before how my family, uh, when I was a young boy, served as missionaries over in the Philippines. And I remember when I was 10 years old, uh, we had uh, flown over to the Philippines with the intent to, to live there uh, for a number of years, and we had shipped all of our belongings over. Uh, we had actually put them on a cargo ship uh, months ahead of us heading over to the Philippines. We had loaded up these big crates, these big trunks with, uh, with our clothes and our possessions because uh, we were intending to, to go and, and live in the Philippines. And uh, I remember at 10 years old going down to the, the harbor with my father uh, to the docks to pick up our trunks and our, our luggage that we had shipped over earlier. And I remember the, the dock authorities, the port authorities there in Manila, demanded that my dad pay them uh, an incredibly high price in order to receive our belongings. They, they were basically extorting us for money in order for us to receive the things that, that were rightfully ours that we had already paid for. And they asked for this bribe, and, and it was just a crazy amount of money. And my dad just wasn't going to pay this bribe. But he didn't know what to do because we needed our stuff. So my dad came back from the docks that day and 
he called up his friend, Dan Chalmers, who was a missionary there in the Philippines, one of my dad's best friends and a partner in ministry. And Dan had grown up in the Philippines, and so he knew the culture very well. And, and uh, he said, you know, Ron, this is kind of par for the course here in the Philippines. Uh, corruption, bribery, I mean, it goes from the top all the way down. And uh, my dad said, well, there's got to be something we can do to get our stuff back without having to pay this bribe. And so Dan said, well, Ron, let me call a friend of mine. And uh, Dan called a friend of his by the name of Jackie and Reilly. Jackie and Reilly was the son of a man named Juan Ponce and Reilly, who you can see on the screen behind me. And Juan Ponce and Reilly, at this time in the early 1980s, was the second most powerful man in the Philippines. He was the defense minister of the Philippines under Ferdinand Marcos. You may remember Ferdinand Marcos. He was the longtime dictator of the Philippines. And Enrile was in charge of the entire military. Well, my dad's friend Dan had recently led Enrile's son, Jackie, to the Lord. And Jackie's life had been completely transformed, and, and Dan had begun discipling Jackie. And so Dan called Jackie and shared with him our, our problem at the docks getting our luggage. And Jackie said, you know, Dan, let me go with Ron down to the docks, and I promise you as soon as they see me, they're going to give you your luggage right away. His dad was the second most powerful man in the Philippines. Well, the next day, Dan and my dad and Jackie went down to the dockyards to retrieve their stuff. And sure enough, as soon as the port authorities saw Jackie and Reilly come walking out down the docks, immediately <laughs> they lined up to help my dad as fast as they could get their stuff. It's very interesting. Juan Ponce and Reilly, just a few years later, would lead a, a revolution that the Filipino people today still celebrate. In 1986, there was a revolution in the Philippines called the People's Power Revolution, where Juan Ponce and Reilly led the overthrow of Ferdinand Marcos in his corrupt dictatorship. And Reilly would later tell reporters that the motivation for the revolution was his son's newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And really said that his son Jackie had came to him and said, Dad, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can no longer support a corrupt dictator. We can no longer stand idly by while our leaders commit injustice against the people. And it was that cry of his son, longing to pursue God and lead the people of Philippines rightly and justly, that led to the coup that overthrew the dictator, Marcos. It's a powerful story of one man transformed by God, leading to a whole new chapter for an entire nation because he stood up against injustice. You know, when I think of that story, it, it reminds me very much of what we're dealing with in our series here in the book of Micah. Here is this prophet Micah called by God, sent to the people of Israel and Judah to speak truth into these cultures that were plagued by injustice, plagued by corruption, corruption that stemmed from the very top of the leadership and had filtered down into the average person's life. And Micah came to speak a word of truth into this circumstance. Today we're going to look at the reality of how the leaders of Israel and Judah were truly lost. They were lost in their rebellion against God. And so Micah has a word for them this morning. I want to read for us today from Micah chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 through 12. And then I want to share some powerful truths from this passage 
that speak to the reality of injustice, uh, especially injustice committed by those in positions of power and authority. Let's read verses 1 through 12. Micah, then I said, now listen, leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, aren't you supposed to know what is just? You hate good and love evil. You tear off people's skin and strip their flesh from their bones. You eat the flesh of my people after you strip their skin from them and break their bones. You chop them up like flesh for the cooking pot, like meat in a cauldron. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because of the crimes they have committed. This is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who proclaim peace when they have food to sink their teeth into, but declare war against the one who puts nothing in their mouths. Therefore, it will be night for you without visions. It will grow dark for you without divination. The sun will set on these prophets and daylight will turn black over them. Then the seers will be ashamed and the diviners disappointed. They will all cover their mouths because there will be no answer from God. As for me, however, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. Listen to this, leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert everything that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with injustice. Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe. Her priests teach for payment, and her prophets practice divination for silver. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become ruins, and the temple's mountain will be a high thicket. <clears throat> Here in chapter 3, we see a very powerful word against the corruption of the leaders in Israel. The political leaders, the judicial leaders, the spiritual leaders. Micah says they were all corrupt and God was coming in judgment against them. I want to highlight three truths that we see in this passage this morning. And these are truths that still speak very powerful into our life and circumstance today. The first thing we see here in our passage is a very clear example that, that the leaders were lost in rebellion. The leaders were lost in rebellion. We, we see, first of all, how they had abused their authority. In verses 1 through 3, we find Micah delivering God's indictment for the injustices of the leaders of Israel. And here Micah uses this incredibly graphic and brutal imagery to emphasize the evil the leaders were committing against their people. You, you strip off the skin and flesh from their bones, Micah says. You eat the flesh of my people after you strip the skin off of them. You break their bones. This graphic imagery to speak a word of judgment against these leaders. Some commentators argue that this imagery was meant to bring to mind the brutality of the Assyrian Empire that was marching through the northern kingdom of Israel at this time. The Assyrians who would often just do horrible, torturous things to those that they had captured. If this is what Micah is intending to portray here in these words, 
then Micah was essentially saying to the leaders of Israel and Judah that you are essentially no better than God's enemies. You're doing the very same thing. Others believe that what Micah is doing here is, is actually contrasting the, the leadership's call to shepherd their people with the actions of a butcher. In other words, Micah's essentially saying, you guys were supposed to be the shepherds of God's people, caring for the flock that God had given you. But instead, you've turned into butchers. You're not shepherds, you're butchers. How had these leaders abused justice so badly? Well, Micah tells us in verses 9 through 10, he says that the rulers had built Israel and Jerusalem through bloodshed and injustice. Bloodshed and injustice. Things like bribery, extortion, unfair wages, theft, dishonesty, on and on, all kinds of corruption and injustice that was being perpetrated by the leadership of Israel. Friends, just think of how different this was from the kind of leader God had originally told Moses to find for his people. Remember in Exodus 18, 21, Moses was told, you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, hating dishonest prophet. These were the kind of men that God had said he wanted to be leading and shepherding his people. But instead, they were ruling their people with cruelty, building Israel and Jerusalem through bloodshed and injustice. Now, as if the injustice of these leaders wasn't bad enough, Micah goes on to tell us that even when the average person sought justice, it couldn't be found. Because as verse 11 reports, the rulers themselves or the judges issued rulings for a bribe. In other words, friends, you couldn't even find justice in the courts. Even the judges were corrupt. Friends, these weren't shepherd leaders. They were butchers on the assembly line of covetousness and greed. The prophet Ezekiel further illuminates these injustices for us, speaking to these very same leaders after their eventual exile into judgment in Babylon. Ezekiel speaks to these leaders in chapter 34. He says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. Friends, this was the leadership in place over Israel and Judah during the days of Micah. They were lost, lost in their rebellion against everything God had called them to be as the shepherds of his people. The 19th century British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli once said that justice is truth in action. Justice is truth in action. What truth, friends? Truths like Genesis 1.27, which declare that all men and women are made in the image of God. 
and being made in the image of God, every single person on earth is instilled with inherent dignity and worth. That's truth, friends. Truths like Mark 12, 31, where, where Jesus has asked, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, friends, God wants us to recognize that every single person on earth is instilled with value and dignity and worth being made in his image. And as a result of that, we are called to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Friends, that is truth. That is justice. That is truth in action. The call to recognize the dignity and worth of all people and to treat them as we ourselves would want to be treated. That is truth in action. But what Micah saw, however, was not truth being acted out by Israel's leaders, but error. Error. Error in action was the order of the day for Israel. And it wasn't just the political and judicial leaders who were lost, but Israel's spiritual leaders were just as bad. Micah tells us that they had profaned their preaching. The spiritual leaders of Israel had profaned their preaching. Look at verse 11. Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe. Her priests teach for payment. Her prophets practice divination for silver. Friends, the priests were teachers for hire. The, the prophets sold their oracles for a price. Friends, false spiritual teachers like this have been around for the past 2,000 years leading people astray with their lies, preaching for money, robbing people with the promise of miracles. They peddle miracles for profit. They promise signs and wonders for wealth. I read an incredible book this past fall called Defining Deception, written by a man on the left there named Kosti Hinn. You might recognize the name Hinn. Kosti Hinn is the nephew of Benny Hinn, the infamous prosperity gospel and pseudo-miracle performer. Kosti Hinn used to work for his uncle's ministry. And in his book, he talks about the, the lavish lifestyle that they lived as a result of their promise of health, wealth, and prosperity for everyone who, who would invest a seed of faith in his uncle's ministry. If you would just give out of faith, God will heal you. God will do miracles for you. And Costi Hinn shares in his book how they lived in lavish mansions. His family owned a fleet of Mercedes-Benz vehicles. They traveled in private Gulfstream jets all over the world, staying in lavish resorts. Spending $20,000 a night on shopping sprees was not uncommon for them. Friends, this is the kind of false gospel still being proclaimed in our world today. And this is what the, the priests and the teachers in Micah's day were, were just as guilty of. If you came to them with a good offering, if you came to them offering food and they were pleased with your offering, if you paid them, they would, they would bless you, speak a word of justice and truth into your life. But if you, if you didn't bless them with an offering, then they would curse you. 
They weren't shepherd leaders, friends. They were peddling the message of God for profit. This kind of deception and its accompanying lavish lifestyle brings dishonor on the name of Jesus. It brings dishonor on his church. I recall even just two weeks ago, the, the public mockery in the media when, when a story came out that a megachurch pastor in South Carolina had recently purchased a brand new Lamborghini for his wife's birthday. Friends, stories like that make a mockery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The life of a shepherd is a life of humility. Now, friends, humility doesn't mean poverty. But preaching for personal gain, praying on the hopes of desperate people, these are out of bounds for God's leaders, for God's shepherds. Not only had they abused their authority in these ways, but they had also hidden behind hypocrisy. They had hidden behind hypocrisy. Look at verse 11 again, the second half. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. You see, these leaders committing these injustices, these, these false religious authorities leading the people astray, they continue to do all these acts and they thought they were safe and secure because the Lord's among us. We, we have the temple. We're God's chosen people. God would never bring any harm upon his people. And they hid behind this hypocrisy as they continued to live their lives, promoting injustice and error. It, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul's condemnation of the false prophets in his day. Titus 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Friends, this is what the religious leaders in Micah's day were guilty of. We know God. We have his temple. We're his chosen people. But they denied God by their works. Friends, how many people in our own day and age do the very same thing? Pay lip service to Jesus Christ. Attend church once or twice a year for their, their token worship. Go to church on Sunday, live like hell the rest of the week. Oh, but it's okay. We're God's people. I prayed the prayer. I can live any way I want. And sadly, they're living in hypocrisy. Remember what we studied this past summer in our series in the book of James. What did James teach us about the religion that God desires for us? the kind of faith he desires for his people. Remember in James chapter 2, James said, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what their body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. God says a genuine faith will manifest itself in works. Jesus himself said the very same thing. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus declared, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. See, these false teachers in Micah's day were hiding behind their hypocrisy. Many in our own day and age make this same error, falling back on this very same hope. I've got my get-out-of-jail-free card. I've bought my fire insurance. There's no way God would send me to judgment and, and eternity in hell. And yet they go on living their lives in absolute rebellion, disregarding God's will in his ways. As a result of these failings, we see point number two, that the leaders had lost their communion with God. They had lost their communion with God. In verse four, we see that God had rejected the leaders of Israel. When they cry out to the Lord, he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because of the crimes they have committed. God had turned his back on these unjust leaders. He had given them over to their depravity. Friends, is there a more fearsome judgment than this? To have God turn your back, turn his back on you. Lord, send me into exile. Take away all that I have. Bring me to my knees in humility. But please, Lord, don't ever turn your back on me. But God had turned his back on these leaders because of their injustice. Not only that, Micah tells us in verses 6 and 7 that God had gone silent for the seers. They could not hear his voice. They prayed for answers, but God was silent. Now, if the leaders of Israel had been in the word, if they had spent time in the Bible and the scriptures, they would have discovered their error. And if the spiritual leaders of Israel had been faithful in their proclamation of God's word, the nation would have never fallen into this kind of depravity. But it's clear from what was going on in Israel and Judah at this time that God's word has been completely neglected. They, they, they just weren't even in God's truth to know his truth or to live his truth. It had been completely ignored and neglected. Truths like Proverbs 21, 13, the one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Truths like Proverbs 22, 22 and 23, don't rob a poor person because he is poor and don't crush the oppressed at the city gate for the Lord will champion their cause and will plunder those who plunder them. Truths like Proverbs 23, 17 and 18, don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord for then you will have a future and your hope will not be dashed. Friends, do you see the tragic irony here? God had gone silent for these lost leaders of Israel, but the answers they were looking for had been right in front of them all along. What fools. Neglecting the truth of God's word right in front of them. Friends, aren't we as equally susceptible to this very same error today? We look for answers in the midst of our trials we cry out to God in our desperation. And yet all the while, God's guidance for our lives is right in front of us if we'd simply look to his word. One of the Christian apologists I admire, a man named Justin Peters, he likes to say, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear him speak audibly, 
read it out loud. Friends, how do we hear the word of God? How do we hear God speak? We find it in the scriptures. We find it in God's word, in his revealed truth. So many people today are out there looking for miraculous signs and wonders, are, are pursuing these miraculous, you know, I want to hear from God. I want to I have some kind of mystical experience, some mystical encounter with God. I, I want God to show up in a burning bush. And all the while, God has spoken so clearly right here in his word. Friends, how often are you opening God's word to hear his truth? That's his guidance for life. That's his roadmap for living. This is the compass that never leads us astray. And yet so often we fail to spend time in God's word. The leadership of Israel had failed to spend time in God's word. And for that, they would experience God's judgment. He decreed judgment on Jerusalem. In verse 12, Micah says, Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become ruins, and the temple mountain will be a high thicket. Friends, this prophecy was fulfilled not long after Micah's lifetime. In 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire came into the southern kingdom of Judah and completely destroyed Jerusalem. They took away all of God's people into captivity in Babylon. Jerusalem was left a ruin. And I want you to think about this experience of God's judgment, friends. When you think about the judgment that God allowed to come upon Israel in the north and Judah in the south, both of these kingdoms completely wiped off the map. When you think about this, friends, God gave the northern kingdom of Israel 209 years to repent sending them prophet after prophet, calling them to repentance. And yet they failed to turn back to God. And God brought his judgment on them. And then God gave the southern kingdom of Judah 250 years to repent, sending them prophet after prophet, calling them back to following his will faithfully. But they continued to rebel and reject him. And so God ultimately brought judgment through the Babylonian Empire. Friends, when you think about our own nation, America, our nation is 243 years old today. How much longer will God give our nation before we too face his righteous judgment for our sins? See, friends, when the leaders of a nation are lost, the people of a nation are not too far behind. A culture will always reflect its leadership. And may God have mercy on us as a nation. Because you don't have to spend more than five minutes watching the news this evening to recognize that many of our nation's leaders are desperately lost. And they need the Lord. Friends, are you praying for our nation? Are you praying for our leaders? Are you praying first and foremost for a spirit of repentance and a return to the Lord as our nation's only true source of hope? I remember 10 years ago, I had the privilege of speaking over in China 
training uh, house church leaders in, in theology and evangelism and apologetics. While we were in northern China, one of the things we had the opportunity to do was take a, a riverboat tour of the Yalu River, which separates North Korea from China. We got on this tour boat, tour, tour boat with a group of uh, Chinese missionaries and Korean missionaries. Some of them had escaped North Korea and were now being trained in China to go back secretly to serve in North Korea. As we were cruising along the Yalu River, North Korea on one side, China on the other. It was very interesting seeing firsthand the, the poverty in North Korea. As we were cruising up the river, I remember standing on the back of the boat, and all of a sudden from the front of the boat, I heard these loud cries, I, just cries of agony and pain and distress. And, and my dad and brother and I ran up to the front of the boat to see what was going on. And here were these three North Korean believers weeping over their country, praising and crying and crying out to the Lord for him to have mercy on their people, to restore justice to their land. To, to bring righteous, godly leadership. And they were crying as if somebody had just died in front of them. Friends, do we have that same heart, that same passion for our nation? For the lost leaders ruling over us today? See, friends, I want us to understand something this morning. Christians arguing politics on Facebook and Twitter is not going to save this nation. Only Jesus can save this nation. We need the Lord. We need a revival. We need a hunger for his word. And to those ends, we need to pray. We need to pray. Now, in contrast to these lost leaders of Israel, we find the prophet Micah. And in one short verse, God points the way to a picture of true and godly leadership by having us look to Micah. Look at verse 8. Micah says, As for me, however, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage, to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. Friends, I just want to point out three things about the prophet Micah. Here was a man filled with the Spirit, he was fueled by the Spirit, and he fulfilled the call of the Spirit. Here was a man walking in step with God's will and plan for his life, and Micah has this description applied to him that was very unique in the Old Testament. Micah says, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord. Remember, friends, the Holy Spirit hadn't come to all of God's people at this time. The Holy Spirit wouldn't come until after Christ's resurrection on the day of Pentecost when all believers received the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, it's a very rare thing to be described as one filled with the Spirit of God. But Micah was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the filling of the Spirit that he had received empowered him to proclaim God's truth with justice and courage. Friends, I want you to know this morning what was an exception for Micah today can be the norm for all of us. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, 
God promises us that we too will receive power. Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples that you will receive power through the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses all over the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us to proclaim God's truth just like Micah with justice and courage. Micah fulfilled the call of the Spirit in his life because he was filled by the Spirit. What was Micah's mission? Look again at the end of verse 8. Micah's mission to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. To Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. Micah spoke equally, friends, to both the social and the spiritual needs of God's people. He declared the need for justice between men, but he also declared the need for justification with God. And friends, this is a truly spirit-inspired message. It's a message that declares the fullness of God's desire for men and women, a right relationship with him and a right relationship with others. You know, too often I find Christians focusing on only one or the other. A lot of churches focus on one or the other. They, they put a strong priority on social justice and acts of mercy. And, and that's a great thing. That's a godly call. And then there are other churches that focus so heavily on theology and evangelism and the gospel, which again is a good thing and a godly call. But if we focus on one or the other exclusively, we're missing out on the fullness of God's message. A spirit-driven message, friends, a spirit-driven Christianity is a Christianity that cares about lost souls while also caring for people's physical and emotional well-being. We have to do both. One of my great heroes, I love reading biographies of, of famous heroes of the faith. One of, my, one of my favorite heroes of the Christian faith is a man named William Booth. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. William Booth had a famous motto. His motto was soup, soap, and salvation. If you come to us, we're going to feed you, we're going to clean you up, and then we're going to share the gospel with you. Friends, that's a spirit-driven Christianity. It's a Christianity that has a heart for justice as well as justification. And this morning as I close, I, I, I want to ask an important question of all of us. What kind of leader do you want to be today? What kind of leader do you want to be? See, every single one of us in this room has a position of influence. Are you using your influence to lead others into a greater knowledge of the Lord and his will for our lives? Are you pointing people to the need for, for both justice and justification? Or like the leaders of Israel, are you using your influence in pursuit of your own self-interest and selfish gain? Friends, as a culture, we are a reflection of our leadership. And the same thing is true of our lives. Who does your life reflect today? When people look at your life, who's ruling your heart today? Is Jesus on the throne of your life? 
Are his priorities what people see manifested in your life? Or do they see someone else running the show? See, God is looking for leaders in the mold of Micah. Leaders who are spirit-filled and spirit-fueled, who live out faithfully God's call with courage and boldness, proclaiming both justice and justification. And friends, my prayer for us as a church is that we might be a place filled with people in the mold of Micah, living faithfully the call to justice without neglecting the ultimate hope of justification in the gospel. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the powerful conviction here in the prophet Micah's words. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would take these truths and, and force us, Lord, to wrestle with them. Force us, Lord, to, to be confronted by them. And Lord, change and transform us by the power of your word. God, I pray this morning for our nation. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our culture, Lord, that you would Break us, Lord. Bring us to our knees in humility. Bring us to a place where we cry out to you as our only true source of hope. Lord, we pray that you would do that without having to bring harsh judgment against us. We have your truth, Lord. We have your word. Help us to follow it faithfully. Help us to proclaim it clearly. Help us to lead people into the light and life that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to show the way as we live and act out justice in our lives. And help us to never be ashamed of the ultimate hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only true source of salvation for us individually and for us as a nation. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. We thank you for your truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.